Welcome to this Frequency Matters podcast. I'm Pat Hindle, and today I'm talking with David Couture, CEO of Kumu Networks. Welcome, David. Thank you, Pat. Happy to be here. So uh, Kumu Networks has developed a fundamental technology that enables simultaneous transmission and reception of wireless signals in the same spectrum allocation and has been working on cellular technologies for quite some time. You know, what's up your sleeve in terms of 5G advanced and 6G, which are destined to be uh, hot topics at Mobile World Congress this year? Yeah, good question. We, uh, so it was, and good intro, you know, Kumu has been, you know, at it for a while now, developing you know, the core technology that does what you said. And what's exciting to me about what we're doing is that, you know, there are more and more applications and, you know, kind of broader uses of, of the technology. You know, our North Star is still, you know, single frequency full duplex, which uh, excitingly is now actually being talked, you know, squarely about in terms of, of 6G. Um, and who knows when 6G is going to be, right? So, you know, as a CEO of a smaller company, we're, we're often focused on, you know, 5G and, and 5G advanced, as you mentioned. One of the things we're highlighting at this uh, MWC for 5G is uh, a use case of our technology to make a very high gain uh, RF repeater. Uh, so repeaters have been used, you know, for decades. And, you know, fundamentally what a repeater is, is a, you know, one antenna that, you know, takes a, a low signal and a gain block that boosts it up to, to a high signal and then another antenna to re-radiate it. And generally the gain of that repeater needs to be below, you know, ideally meaningfully below the, the isolation between those two antennas. Otherwise you have lots of problems. And what Kumu is able to do is supplement that, you know, kind of physical separation between the antennas by using our technology to, to provide electrical isolation on top of that and make a much higher gain repeater, which, you know, given that carriers are now moving to more mid-band spectrum, right? So instead of the one to two gigahertz kind of frequency, for example, in the US, you know, Verizon and AT&T are moving forward aggressively with the C-band, which is, you know, three gigahertz, three and a half, you know, four gigahertz. You know, having that extra gain is, is very useful. And the interesting thing about repeaters is that People think of them as providing coverage, which of course they do. Um, but really what a repeater does is it helps the, the, the cell edge performance of the network. And you know, that's really where the network need, needs the most help. And if you, if you help the cell edge, you actually improve the capacity of the network. So we're seeing a lot more interest in that. Um, and as far as 5G advance goes, and we can talk about this more in the context of standards, but uh, that's another use case for our technology. Um, one of the things that's being worked on by 3GPP is something called subband full duplex, which is an exciting development that we're squarely in the middle of. Um, so I expect that to be a, an MWC topic as well. Yeah, I just seen some latest news that somebody was demonstrating that for the first time. Uh, so I was going to ask you about that. So you answered my question. <laughs> Yeah, so subband full duplex, you know, again, it, it goes back to, you know, so the North Star is, you know, transmit and receive, same frequency, you know, same time. But, you know, that requires a lot of 
technology it requires a lot of changes to the ecosystem. And so what, what subband full duplex is, is it's, a, it's an interim step where the transmitted reception isn't on the exact same channel, but it's on an adjacent channel. And that allows it to fit nicely into, you know, TDD standards for 5G, but it still provides many of the benefits of full duplex in the sense that you, know, you can give, you know, uplink users at the edge of the cell, you know, their own transmission path. You don't have to wait. And especially with, with high data systems, you know, generally a lot of the time slots get allocated to the downlink instead of the uplink. And so if you can clear up a channel for the uplink, it improves latency, it improves uh, performance. So, so this is actually an active study item in 3GPP uh, that Kubu is directly involved in. It was actually put forth originally by both Qualcomm and Samsung. And we were urged by multiple parties to participate uh, because you know, our technology is seen as a key uh, element to, to making these systems practical. Uh, there's a lot of the simulation work that's gone on. As you mentioned, there's going to be some demos at MWC. And you know, we're just excited to be part of that ecosystem and, and see that coming to fruition. Yeah, let's go over the basics then. You know, what is self-interference cancellation and why is it important? Yeah, good good question. I mean, if for your listeners that have, you know, been toying with radios for a while, I mean, that's that. That's always the fundamental aspect of a radio, right? Is kind of how to isolate the transmitter from the receiver. You know, in FDD systems, you give them different frequencies and you you isolate them with the with the filter. Um, that's why we have a billion dollar filter business. But you know, as systems become more complex and you know more and more spectrum and more and more channels closer together. Uh, you know, more and more, you're seeing the limitations of those kind of traditional architectures. So what, what a filter does, right, is it's a it's a resonant device that, you know, passes some frequencies and not others. What self-interference cancellation does is it's, it's actually an active mechanism to basically take a sample of what the radio is transmitting. And then what I like to say is we create the antidote signal, which you know ideally is a uh, you know the perfect inverse of the transmitted signal. And if you can do that perfectly and you can do it you know in real time, you can inject that antidote signal at the receiver and perfectly cancel that self-interference. Now to do that in real time, to do it perfectly, you know, that's 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 the, the challenge, devil, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the devil's in the details there. Um, but that's the concept, is it's a, it's an active you know, antidote being injected at the receiver to cancel any you know, self-interference, either, either from you know, your radio or, or perhaps an adjacent radio in, in the system. And so what is its role in advanced uh, 5G and 6G? Right. So for 6G, uh, for single frequency full duplex, there's no other way to implement single frequency full duplex without self-interference cancellation. So that's, that's again, the North Star. For 5G advanced, uh, so it depends on the details. So the 3GPP never says, uh, you know, this has to be done, the, you know, a certain way. So you know, because the requirements of subband full duplex are less because it's an adjacent channel, 
there are multiple approaches to making that work. Um, you know, Kumu's firm belief is that uh, you know some form of self-interference cancellation is needed, uh, perhaps in conjunction with other methods like beamforming or intent isolation. And you know, the way to think of where it would fit is, you know, in a 5G advanced radio head, you would have an array of antennas, and you know, at each antenna there would be um, a device. <laughs> you know. You know, we'd like to see it be a Kumu device, but we'll say a device that that performs some degree of self-interference cancellation to enable the the subband full duplex performance. And so we're always looking for more capacity. You know, what type of improvement in capacity does this result in in real world conditions, and how does that translate into cost savings? Yeah, that's that's gets into use cases and the practicality of it all. So, you know, for, let's start with for 6G because that's, you know, that's the fun one to talk about. So if you can do single frequency full duplex, then you've improved the capacity by 100%, right? You've basically doubled the utility of the spectrum or close to it. And that's what we're all working towards. Uh, when you look at these other techniques, you know, subband full duplex or the high gain repeater solution, which I mentioned earlier, you know, again, effectively what you're doing is helping the cell edge. So, you know, if you think about it, a, a base station works the hardest to, to serve the users that are at the edge of the cell, right? It's where the signal is the lowest, it's where the interference is the highest. And so at a minimum, you know, these kinds of technologies improve, you know, cost and capacity by, well, improve capacity by you know, 30 to 50%, sometimes more with the commensurate cost savings. So um, usually we find with our customers, uh, a 30 to 50% cost savings gets uh, gets a lot of attention. Yeah, that's a significant amount. And so are you involved in the 3GPP standards and how will this play into the standards in the future? We are. Uh, and actually, it's been a long going, uh, long time debate within Kumu about, you know, whether we should join 3GPP, how active should we be with the standards? And, you know, this go around with 3GPP isn't the first time that full duplex has been, you know, discussed um, in various forms. And it was always, always frustrating because the, the industry would say, well, it, it seems like it's not practical or too hard. So, you know, let's go a different direction. Uh, so, so this time around, and and partially due to you know the urging of you know some of our industry partners, uh, we we are very very active. So we we throw we joined three GPP last year. Uh, we're part of the subband full duplex working group. We're making active submissions. The goal of that group is to uh, progress the subband full duplex from a study item to a work item later this year. And if that happens, then the most likely scenario is that uh, subband full duplex will be part of 3GPP release 19. And um, yeah, that, so that would be from a standards perspective. And then separately, you know, we're working with all the relevant players to you know, figure out how to get that into real products. Yeah, so the standards guys finally said, hey, someone can do this, so we can put it in now. Yeah, well said, yeah. <laughs> Timing is everything. Pat. Yeah. 
So uh, what projects are underway to test and refine these technologies? So I mentioned the, the simulations. So those are a big part of the standards work. So last year, we actually announced what we call our Camelot chip. So it's a, it's a chip that, building on what I said earlier, would, would basically go at each antenna element in a subband full duplex radio head. And, you know, when I was talking about the antidote signal earlier, I said, you know, the devil's in the details. Well, one of the details of making any of this stuff work, you know, single frequency full duplex or subband full duplex, is you, know, you really need the the RF performance that you know doesn't current or you know prior to some of our products didn't currently exist, right? So, so if you look at a um, a five G radio head that does you know MIMO beamforming, you know those typically use you know RF phase shifters that have a certain dynamic range and have you know five, six, you know maybe seven bits of, of accuracy. But you know, to do the full duplex, you need you know much higher performance, right? You need much higher linearity. You need you need um, so our commercial product is uh, an 11-bit you know phase shifter, which is you know, you know much higher performance than you know what was previously out there. Um, and so we've released that. We've got um, we've got evaluation boards and systems and demos uh, doing that. And then on the uh, high gain repeater, uh, that's the other kind of activity. I keep mentioning that because it's that doesn't wait for standards, right? That's something that can be deployed, you know, on five G networks now to improve capacity. And we have uh, engagements with four different parties, um, you know, doing various tests and evaluations, and you know, expect those to. You know, materialize later this year. Great. And so I did see in the news that you uh, demonstrated the highest performance self-cancellation technology. I think it was for the Army. Um, you know, what were your specific performance results that you were able to obtain there? Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. We're we're proud of that. It's uh, and, and and we're proud of our partnership with uh, the Army and the DoD. They've they've been good you know, sponsors for us. Um, and you know it's interesting. I I joke with some people that you know when I was in graduate school, which I, you know, I won't tell you how long ago that was, but you know people were talking about you know star right simultaneous yeah. you know, transmit and receive. And so this project with the army was was something called SF star single frequency star. And we actually found out after the fact that we were one of four companies that the army was working with on this. Uh, and again, after the fact, we learned that um, you know, we we were really the only you know vendor or supplier that um, you, you know met the performance requirements. I mean, we um, which were aggressive. So you know, to answer your question, uh, we showed you know basically a hundred dB, hundred decibels of of pure self-interference cancellation. And and I say pure because you know, oftentimes people quote big numbers, but but those numbers include the physical isolation, right? The, you know, let's say the antenna, you know, separation. Uh, so in the tests we did with the Army, uh, we showed 120 dB. Uh, 20 of that was antenna isolation. So 100 dB of, of pure 
electrical isolation. Um, prior to that, we, we believe the best in class uh, was also something Kumu had demonstrated, which was you know, something north of 80 dB, I think it was 85. So we're proud of that. We're proud of you know what that can mean for military systems and you know ultimately for commercial systems. Yeah, I've always heard 100 dB is kind of the target that everybody's trying to hit. I've seen like some optical isolation techniques, but none of them seem like they were on the practical side. I mean, they could make them, but they may not be practical for size and cost. No, it's a, it's a, I'm glad you brought that up, actually. So the so that's actually the benefit of the optical systems is that the you know you kind of get the isolation easily uh, what what you don't get easily is what you said right there's, there's cost and practical issues uh, optical links also have some fundamentally limited dynamic range so that also limits practicality uh, but you're right people have people have approached this problem uh, a number of ways and so and so uh, how will this enable better performing communication systems for military customers and how will that translate into commercial markets? So we have, so other than the, the DOD work, uh, we do have engagements with some of the, I'll call them defense contractors. So people that make um, you know, military communication systems. And actually the, the first use case, the first implementation is, um, it's basically it's it's similar to subband full duplex, but it's for a relay, right? So it's a it's a communication system where you can create an ad hoc network, right? And each element in the network has a radio that you know talks to for communication purposes, and then another radio that's used for backhaul purposes. And you need those radios to operate, you know, simultaneously, and these are you know, field deployments, so you can't mess around too much with trying to isolate antennas and things like that. So actually the first product that our solution will go in for the military is, is actually for a, for a vehicle mounted relay. And you know, this is something that was historically done with, you know, you, de you deploy two radios and you would isolate them with like a, a very large and heavy, you know, duplexer, right, um, which has limitations, also has practical limitations. Uh, so we can do away with that and, you know, allow, you know, backhaul and access radios to, you know, simultaneously operate right next to each other. The next step for that is to move it into a, a man pack. So this is a backpack that a soldier will actually carry. Uh, that actually, that requires, you know, smaller size and you know, less power consumption, why, which is why it's step two. And then commercially, you know, these kinds of relay solutions, um, you know, could make a big impact in the commercial arena. So, as, you know, some, some of your listeners may have heard the term IEB, uh, so it's integrated access backhaul, you know, hasn't really taken off in the commercial uh, arena, but, um, you know, with some of these military successes, that, that could be a good path for that technology. Yeah, I remember when IAB was first announced and everybody was all excited about it. And then there was kind of silence for six months. I never <laughs> heard much about it. There's complexity with IAB. It's also, um, you know, the carriers like like doing business the way they've always done it, right? So, you, you know, so from my perspective, that's one of the interesting things about the military path is it 
it gives a way to you know prove out this other you know way of doing things um, for the commercial guys. And so, how about private networks? Are they a hot topic these days? What are you doing in that space? Yeah, we've looked at that um, from a product perspective. The um, we do have a version of our high gain repeater that operates in the three point five. Uh, gigahertz regime and so that's useful for you know some of the target private markets so think um, like a corporate campus um, you know getting signal to areas you know maybe a warehouse where it might be difficult to run cables <clears throat> it's also useful for um, public venues you know places where you're, you know deploying things quickly and easily without um, you know, having to run cables or conduits is useful. Um, and and because of the frequency, the 3.5 gig frequency, uh, you know, we firmly believe that the, the high gain capability is what makes it practical and, and deployable. Great, you've covered a lot of ground. So what future improvements and applications do you work on these days? Yeah, you know, it's... <laughs> You know, Kamu's been at this for a while, and and you know I'm glad you brought up the the army demo. Like I think at this point, you know we've we've shown that you know, we have the capabilities that the the capabilities exist to to do all of these things, right? Single frequency, subband full duplex, high gain repeaters. Um, so what we're really focused on is is use cases and making them practical, right? So you know we've talked about a number of the use cases on this podcast. And then in terms of making it practical, what we've often encountered is that, you know, the components that are needed to make these things work uh, haven't existed, right? So uh, so we're making, you know, high resolution phase shifters, we're making, you know, high dynamic range you know, RF components. Uh, one of the things I didn't mention earlier is, you know, we're actually in discussion with some of the uh, vendors who make, you know, front end modules, right? So traditionally these have, you know, amplifiers, LNAs, uh, filters, you know, talking about getting our technology, our IP, our silicon, you know, into those modules. You know, we see that as a way of, you know, really expanding the, the places where this technology can go and get easily consumed by the ecosystem. Uh, so we're excited about that. So do you see a day where it might be in everybody's uh, handset, mobile? Absolutely. And before that day, we certainly see is, uh, where it's in um, you know, infrastructure, CPE devices, uh, access points. Uh, so those are all steps along the way to, to getting it into somebody's hand. Well, that's great. It's been a very interesting talk, David. Thank you for your interesting technologies that Kumu's working on uh, span quite the gamut there. It's been interesting to see what this will turn out to be at Mobile World Congress. So I'll be attending there and try to wrap that into the show review, this technology and how it was demoed over there. To our listeners, you can find more podcasts at podcast.microwavejournal.com. Thanks for listening.